Hey, Collabris. I'm Ben Leroy. And I'm Jason Buckholz. And you're listening to Collabracast. How you, How you doing, doing today? Uh, good. <laughs> We're doing the, the cool talk over segment. I wanted to point out the obvious that I am recording from a different location and have a live studio audience today. My mom is off camera and it's important for me to acknowledge that for a variety of reasons. But one of them is every time I've recorded an episode and I say, hey, mom, check this out, Jason. And I figured out how to do this and this. My mom be like, oh, that's great but the lighting could be a little bit better or you should frame that shot a little bit better. So I put my mom in charge of all production details today and uh, she is standing judgmentally <laughs> over my side right now. So uh, that's, that's what's going on here, people. We've got some construction going on at the regular studio and I have moved to a temporary studio. How's the weather out your way? Foggy, it's a foggy morning. Foggy, chilly morning. We'll probably warm up to uh, mid seventies ish. We're we're not part of this massive heat wave that is affecting a hundred million people today. From what the news, it's uh, it's bonkers. What's going on in England? Yeah, it's pretty intense. And in many other places, all the wildfires in Europe. While Hawaii is seeing thirty foot waves crashing over apartment buildings, it's. Yeah, but everything's you know, fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, it's all it's all a hoax. Yeah, no one could have seen this coming. No, no signs at all. So today we're continuing on our series about how to write a novel in 2022. Last episode, we talked about protagonists, the hero of our story. Today, we're switching it up and we're talking about antagonist, the bad guy, the adversary, the person in the way of our protagonist goals. And uh, I was wondering, just in general, as a writer, do you think ahead of time who the antagonist is? Or as you're getting into the book, do you begin to understand who the antagonist is? For, for me, I... So I... I think that there are various types of antagonists slash antagonistic situations. Um, I think that there are the, there are the, the number of books that have kind of a true protagonist is, is fairly small where there's an actual identifiable bad guy. And I have some examples I want to talk about today to illustrate various gradations of of antagonism for me um i in in a paper sun that was a lot of that story is based in true family history and some crazy things that uh, a great great grandfather of mine in particular great 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 grandfather um, the dude had two wives and that that's true. That's real. And so he was, he was an easy person to bring in to, to 
create difficult situations for my protagonists. Um, in the current manuscript I'm writing, there were it was, it was a similar situation where I, I I had a good idea of what these antagonistic forces were going to be early early on. There was a it was interesting because I felt in in the current manuscript I'm writing. I felt like there was something missing. I felt like there was some type of the first several drafts that I did. I felt like there was some type of entity missing that I felt was something of an needed to be some type of antagonistic force, some type of obstacle, some type of 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 pressurizing situation. And it took me several drafts to figure out who that was or what that was. And it, it actually turns out that it wasn't quite a pure antagonist. It was actually somebody who turns out to be more of an ally, um, but begins as something of, of what seems to be a problem for the, and I'm, I'm spoiler alerting my book that's not even done yet. So I'm going to stop talking. What about you? Uh, you know, I think that a lot of my antagonists end up being internal antagonists and there are secondary people who kind of play the role of the bad guy. But a lot of what I'm writing, I think is the versus self antagonist the two the imagined perfect self and the existent self and that tension and trying to realize what is what is the perfect self and how do we get there is the biggest roadblock for me and i think that's probably because it is my experience in life that we don't really have an antagonist. Or if you have a brain like mine, it's a lot of internal reckoning so that the there isn't someone lurking in the bushes outside of the house with a weapon meaning to do me harm. It's me thinking like, well, you should have done a better job about that or you could have done better about that. And that versus self, you know, the the man versus man, man versus self, man versus nature, man versus God being the sort of four general levels of conflict. I think I usually fall into the self version. Yeah, me too. Um, and I think that that's, that's uh, largely related to genre. Um, so I have a few books I wanted to talk about that kind of come from a variety of genres to illustrate those some, some of those contentions that you just brought up but I think I think for me that is by far the most interesting type of conflict is is the antagonist inside of us that we can so you've got there are you know there are the um the Saurons and the Darth Vaders this is very clear there's the bad guy here's an evil guy and if you get rid of them then you're good the the internal antagonist it's they don't they're not so easy it's not so straightforward um so, yeah, I think for me, I agree that that is, for me, the most interesting type of conflict is that internal conflict, the, the, the man versus self, that, that thing inside of us that we're raging against that we are yeah, a lot harder to get away from. Yeah, well, and that's exactly right. It's a lot harder to get away from. And there's maybe perhaps a navel gazing aspect that goes into it. Most of my time in publishing is spent with crime fiction where there is usually a more clearly defined 
antagonist. It's the it's the killer that we're trying to find in a in a mystery. It's the killer we're trying to stop in a thriller. And one thing that I like redlined and uh, highlighted and put in bold that I wanted to make sure that I talked about whoever your antagonist is. It's very important that they are fully realized and fully formed and that they aren't just cardboard cutouts. And this is something that I run into a lot with crime fiction is that people have this over the top menacing bad guy that has no, it's not a real person. It's not a, it's not a fully realized person. Like there's this circular logic that happens when I'll be listening to a pitch at like a writing conference and somebody will say, my serial killer in this book has gone out and killed 10 people. And I'll say, okay, well, why is he a serial killer? Because he's crazy. Okay, well, why is he crazy? Because he's a serial killer. And it just gets into this <laughs> circular logic. And I think to myself, there's got to be a lot more to that. And I may, in my own writing, overcorrect by really, really, really examining the psychological motivations of my characters. But there has to be at least some level of this is a real person that we are reading about. I agree. And I think that that is, you know, real life. It's, you know, people are, people do all kinds of things that on the surface look horrible and evil and, and are. But there are there are stories behind all of those things. And I think that it is we as artists and as observers of humanity need to be curious about what those stories are to to a degree, um, because I think that's the nuance of humanity. There are like we all have the capacity in ourselves, even the, the purest, best, most moral person like we all have within us these elements that are darker, that are, are, can be damaging to others. And, and the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves are very different than the stories other people tell about us. And so being able to, to move that camera out of ourselves and to see and to, and to look at all these different things are, I, I think it's an important exercise, makes it sound kind of light, but I think it's an, it's an important process in just in an examination of of who we are and how we relate to each other. All Did right. you have uh, examples that you wanted to discuss? I, I was going to leave. I was going to leave examples up to you and uh, have you discuss. I do want to check in with the studio audience really quick. Are we doing okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> got got approval from the studio audience. Why don't you go ahead and hit us up with some of those examples of antagonists across different genres? Okay. So I'm reading Dune right now. I've never read it before. I've never seen any of the movies. I'm not finished with it, but the Baron Harkonnen in, in Dune, and I have a, I'll, I'll read a description of him. So he, so he is an example of just kind of the pure bad. So this is science fiction, of course, um, from the sixties, just the, the pure bad guy, the, the, and, and there may be more nuance to him that I just haven't gotten to in the book. I'm pretty well along. I'm about, 80 to 90 percent done with it so if all of a sudden he becomes a highly sympathetic character in the last few chapters that's something i've yet to discover i'm 
I don't see it going that way. Wait, where did he get the acoustic guitar? <laughs> right. Oh, he was just misunderstood. <laughs> so uh, this is the first physical description of him. The Baron moved out and away from the globe of Arrakis. As he emerged from the shadows, his figure took on dimension, grossly and immensely fat and with subtle bulges beneath folds of his dark robes to reveal that all this fat was sustained partly by portable suspensors harnessed to his flesh. He might weigh 200 standard kilos in actuality, but his feet would carry no more than 50 of them. I am hungry, the Baron rumbled, and he rubbed his protruding lips with a beringed hand, stared down at Faderalfa through fat and folded eyes. Send for food, my darling. We will eat before we retire. So that's the Baron. And so, you know, he's an example of just the, 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 the pure bad guy, the foil, the, the, you know, it's a, it's, it's a type of morality. That's very Tolkien-esque. You got your good guys, you got your bad guys. It's just a, a, a clash of kind of those distillations of human morality. The next level up, or I shouldn't put it that way. Horizontal. But yeah. Horiz <laughs> the next type of antagonist comes from uh, the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, which is a, a, a reimagining of the Underground Railroad. It, it rings very true to the experience of slaves and escape, um, although he puts his own very fictional revisionist spin on it, um, makes it a literal Underground Railroad. Um, but there is a, so the main character is Cora, she escapes from the plantation um, and there is a slave catcher named Ridgeway who comes after her. He is, a, you know, he's, he's a scary bad guy, but he is a, a symbol of something much bigger. He's not the type of bad guy like in a, in a teenage slasher movie that you just kill and it's over. He, you know, he isn't the crazy serial killer. He is the type of antagonist where you can get rid of him, but then somebody else is going to fill his place. He is a representative of slavery, of oppression, of, of a, a whole system that is the real antagonist. He is just a, a small manifestation of it. So as scary as he is, as, as evil as he is, he's just, a, he's just an actor. He's just a playing a role and and somebody else would come so so there's no you can't you can kill him off you can escape him but then somebody else is going to come there isn't you know there's no head of a snake the head of the snake is is the institution of slavery sure. and so that obviously took a whole different type of thing to overcome and we're still trying to <laughs> we're still not done um so that's that is a very interesting antagonist to me in that he it's kind of this combination of this pure foil but then he's also representative of this whole other type of antagonistic situation the third one is uh this little book i don't know if anybody's anybody's heard of this one i've uh, uh i've heard it oh, plenty <laughs> but i've never read any herman melville past i believe billy bud was the was the most complete i could do helen did you ever read moby dick Oh, Moby Dick's the worst book I ever had to read in uh, <laughs> The worst book she's ever had to read, she said. Yep. yep. <laughs> I I I could see where I could see where that opinion comes from. It's a very weird book. 
um, there, but Captain Ahab is an incredible character. Um, and in terms of antagonism, protagonism, it's Ishmael's story. You know, we could have that conversation just as we could talk about Nick and the Great Gatsby or or Marlowe and Kurtz, but um, Captain Ahab wants a thing. He wants that white whale and he can't get it. And so you could, you know, for you were talking about the man versus self. So for him, the antagonist is really his obsession. And I think that that's, I, 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 I love that character for the example that it sets for that thing inside you that just drives you crazy. And you could look at it in any number of ways. Say he wants this whale, the, the, the obstacles to him getting that are the size of the ocean and the rareness of the whale and all the different things that he tries to, to plow through to try to catch this whale. But really, the thing that he's tortured by is his own obsession. So I, I, you know, for me, that is the most interesting type of antagonism is that thing that lives inside of you that, you know, and he doesn't even come anywhere close to being able to even recognize that he's single mindedly blinded by by his obsession. And, you know, the entire book revolves around that. And um, yeah, so that's, that's the, that's, that's that internal struggle. And, and for me, that's, that's the one that you can't, you can't get rid of, you know, you can't, they're there, that's always going to be there. And it's, it, and I think you were, when you first brought it up, I was thinking it's, when we think of good guys and bad guys, protagonists and antagonists, we think of something that we can overcome then live happily ever after. Most people can't relate to that. Most of us don't have, like we have people that we lash out against. We have people who we set up as symbols or representatives of the things that we don't like. But by far the most common thing that most of us struggle with is like you said, that thing, like something inside of you that you're trying to overcome. Like your example of, I could have done that better. I could be, you know, these self-doubt and all of these things I, I think are they're much more subtle much more nuanced much more relatable and you know for me that's that's what I'm most interested in exploring I think that it also speaks to the uniqueness of the human condition because though I don't know for sure I don't think that there are lions or grizzly bears or any large animal or small animal or plant that is racked with self-doubt. I don't know the science behind that, but my assumption is that there's not a squirrel being like, oh, remember those acorns I could have had, but I didn't get. And, <laughs> and so maybe that's why that means as much to me is that there's kind of a, a primitive nature in the foil, like the, the clearly defined bad guy who is out to kill us. That feels animalistic. That feels like a predator prey situation it's the elevated internal predator prey situation whatever the old axiom is about there are two wolves inside of us and it all depends on which one you feed that is the one that survives or conquers or thrives that's that's to me maybe why i feel so called to do that is it's a it's a pursuit of like what makes the human 
consciousness and brain different. And again, I'm assuming that that is the case about animals, but I don't know that for sure. Um, I don't have the ability to, to have language to have that conversation with them. But I think that that's part of it for me is it's, it's really driving home a, a shared phenomenon that humans have. I agree. I agree. And I think, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to, to question. The, I mean, those of us with a lot of experience with dogs know that dogs feel great shame <laughs> after they've done something and gotten caught. You can see they're like, oh boy, now I'm in, now I'm in big trouble. Um, beyond that though, I think, you know, I think it's, I, I think that's a really apt comparison. I think that, that relationships, you know, kind of the classic Tolkien, good guy, bad guy, that type of thing. It does feel very predator prey. It feels like very kind of this fundamental survival animalistic thing. Um, whereas part of the, the, we've got all this self-awareness as humans, all this, uh, this uh, self-reflective ability and that brings with it great things, but it also sets us against ourselves internally in a lot of ways in in ways that those squirrels don't really have to deal with they're just like oh i know what i'm doing today <laughs> i'm not worried about how i did things yesterday i just i got some things to do and i'm gonna go through my checklist and then i'm gonna sleep well dear collaborators in the listening and viewing audience who are some of the most important antagonists that you've come across in all of your writing and reading journey do you favor the uh, the more visceral bad guy in the bushes? Are you someone who is also stuck inside your head? Let us know in the comments uh, where this post is. Speaking of which, if you are watching and or listening to this podcast and enjoy it, please feel free to rate and review it wherever you do so. Uh, subscribe where possible. And... Jason, do you know what we have going on next week for our series of how to write a novel in 2022? Nope, I do not have the list in front of me. All right, it'll be a mystery to all of us. <laughs> Some other aspect of novel writing. Uh, I also do want to do a quick plug that we have finally started generating content over on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, you should go over there. Jason's doing these really cool videos about uh, craft and writing and he's doing them on location in nature and I was blown away by the most recent one that he put up because it looked like it was produced by a big Hollywood studio and uh, I've already told him a hundred times how cool I thought it was but I thought it worth mentioning here and I'm doing a series that is examining 200 years of the novel in 90 second beginnings where I am reading the first paragraph of a randomly selected novel beginning in 1822, working our way up to present time. Jason, do you have anything else that you wanna share with the people before we end this episode? Uh, I just wanna reciprocate the, the praise for your project and say how cool I think it is and how much fun I'm having just following along and uh, seeing what you come up with. All right. 
for story for community collaborators thank you to the studio audience all right when the applause sign goes on for the yeah yeah the applause sign is on uh, apparently the laugh sign is also on. <laughs> who's All right, in charge you. of putting those signs up thank you everybody <laughs>